Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. With Brad Biggs. Big time. Big Z. His name is Brad Biggs. Brad Biggs talks football with you. Mully at Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 6 7 of the score. Brad Biggs, the football man of the Chicago Tribune and a longtime contributor to the station, a valued friend, and he joins us now. On the Signature Bank Score Hotline, Signature Bank making commercial banking personal. Big Zay. Morning, Brad. Morning, boys. What's going on? Well, uh, a lot of stuff going on. The playoffs are still going on. But, Brad, I, I was uh, I was really interested in, uh, in what you wrote about the last time that, you know, just four teams have uh, – have not won two consecutive seasons, two consecutive winning seasons since the Bears last did it in 0506. It feels it feels like a really long time since the Bears have been consistently good. And I know that the objective and everything they're out doing is to that end to try to, you know, be good for a while and good consistently. But how long does that take? How long will it be until they start winning uh, a couple seasons in a row. Well, it's it's probably going to be a while. It, yeah. You look at the common denominator for uh, teams that have sustained success, teams that are perennial playoff contenders. And generally speaking, that first common factor you find is the quarterback play. Well, we know where the Bears quarterback play uh, has been for the longest period of time, so that's one um, explanation for their inability to uh, to get good and stay good, right? Um, you've got to be healthy. You've got to have a, a good roster. You've got to be well coached. The Bears uh, haven't put that together since 05-06, and there's been numerous points since where you felt like they were going to sustain it. For instance, 2007, you thought they'd go out there. Maybe they're not getting back to the Super Bowl, but they ought to be really good. Uh, 2010, they uh, reached the uh, NFC title game. You're expecting them to be very competitive the next season. Uh, Obviously, 2018, uh, they win the division. You expect them to be really competitive uh, the next season, and there's been a variety of factors in play at all those different moments, but, uh, hey, they're not the Carolina Panthers who uh, entered the National Football League in 1995 and uh, have yet to uh, experience consecutive winning seasons. They're not the Browns, and there's always something to be said for that, who haven't uh, accomplished the feat since the 1980s. Uh, Jacksonville, uh, 2004-2005, the last time it's been done, and then the Raiders, you got to go back to uh, 
when they uh, got to the Super Bowl uh, with uh, Bill Callahan right after Gruden had left 2000 to 2002 uh, for the last time the, the then Oakland Raiders put together consecutive winning seasons. Brad, I think you're on to something, the ad campaign. We're not the Browns. That's what the Bears will embrace this offseason. <laughs> At least we're not the Browns. I want to ask you this, Brad, because they haven't had – uh, obviously a lot of sustained success at Hallis Hall. Every year it seems like we're looking at the championship Sunday for takeaways. If you were trying to find a positive that you could cling to if you're a Bears fan, if you're a Bears executive or coach or whatever the case may be, when you look at these four teams, what do you see that can be applied to the way that you're trying to get back into the playoffs? Well, that's a really good question. And, um, I guess I, I guess I'd start with all of them have the ability to be explosive on offense, and and the Forty ers are able to pull that off uh, with the last pick of the draft at quarterback right now. Uh, they they're extremely well coached. They've got a lot of talent uh, around the quarterback position on offense, and they've got uh, an excellent defense as well. Um, the Eagles are stacked. You feel like on both sides of the ball. I think the Chiefs have, have um, gotten better defensively while Patrick Mahomes has been the quarterback. Uh, and Steve Spagnola does a really nice job. They've got some guys that can get after the quarterback, especially with uh, Chris Jones. And then Cincinnati, boy, they've got um, a wealth of young talent that uh, is playing at such a high level they can overcome some of the well-documented offensive line issues with all the starters that are missing for the Bengals. And, uh, you know, it's not like it was a great offensive line to begin with, but Joe Burrow uh, has become uh, elite in a very short period of time. I, I think the Bengals can go into Kansas City and, uh, and, and win that on Sunday, guys. I, th- I think that might happen. You know, it's really interesting to consider a high ankle sprain and what that means and see the guy uh, going off the podium and watching it over and over trying to get a hint of anything. The the line has moved so dramatically uh, since that injury and and as the week has gone on. I I don't know what to make of it. Right now I think it's a pick but it's pretty extraordinary, Brad, that nobody is quite certain – we know what a high ankle sprain means. And the idea that that's not going to impact this game is hard for me to believe. Yeah, very hard to believe. And I'm going to – I'm just going to wait and see oh. with my own eyes and not um, – you know, Andy Reid can say whatever he wants. Mahomes can say what he wants. You can, uh, you can see him jogging at uh, half speed uh, inside the practice bubble. Uh None of that stuff really matters. What's going to matter is how he is able to move around on the field on Sunday. And there's there's almost a, a small element of you'll believe it when you see it with this just because uh, you, you know that these things uh, take time. And even if it's not as severe as it could have been, uh, it's still probably going to make it challenging for him to – navigate uh, the pocket. So, Brad, 
this is interesting. I want to hear hear your kind of explanation, and it's not trying to be a defense of Matt Eberflus, but you look at all four coaches left, and they're offensive-minded coaches, or they're offensive-oriented coaches. You look at the two biggest surprises in the playoffs this year, the Jaguars and the Giants, offensive-minded coaches and Doug Peterson and Brian Dable that the Bears passed on. Did any Has anything that happened in terms of the playoffs this season the success of first-year coaches in Jacksonville and New York make you feel different, or do you think should make Bears fans feel any differently about Matt Eberflus, who clearly is not an offensive-minded head coach? Yeah, I I don't think so. You can have you can have uh, you know outstanding defensive-minded head coaches. You know, Sean McDermott, uh, his team didn't play well last weekend. He's He's got close to 40 wins, I think, over the last three seasons. So uh, he's doing something right uh, with uh, the Buffalo Bills. So, the, you know, your biggest takeaway when you watch this playoff football is, man, the Bears need players all over the place. I, th- that's what it is for me anyway. Just, the, you know, they had nothing going on for them in the front seven on defense. Um, they lacked – the ability to sustain anything outside of a four week stretch that was in the, what, almost first half of the season on offense. And, um, and for an entire season, guys, pretty much an entire season in any and every phase of the game, they couldn't, they couldn't make play in the fourth quarter uh, that when they needed it. Right. They, they were unable um, to have a player step up in a big moment so that those are the big takeaways that that Ryan Poles and and Ian Cunningham and Matt Eberflus they've got uh, they've got their work cut out for them and hopefully with uh, some calculated moves and some aggressive moves they can add some players that will um, help raise the level of performance of the guys who are going to remain the guys who got experience uh, they played a ton of rookies this season. Um, those guys hopefully can come back and, and be each one of them just a little bit better uh, in year two because they're going to need that. It, it is um, – it's kind of fascinating to, to kind of follow everything going around the league, and we were talking about it earlier. Micah Parsons sent out a, uh, a tweet pointing out that uh, other than Mahomes, everybody is still on their rookie deal left in the final four, and, uh, you know, hmm, that's interesting – it's almost like you got the the Cowboys' best player calling on the team to draft a new quarterback, and uh, and they're obviously paying a lot of money to Dak Prescott. And then you look around the league and you see the guys that are getting paid and the guys that aren't getting paid, and you wonder are the are the Bears on a time restraint here with Justin Fields? Do you want to make sure that you get to the winning part and you get to some success before you have to pay the quarterback? Well, yeah, I mean, he's going to have to be a player. He's going to have to be a big-time player before that contract's up or, or it's not going to work. Like This is going to be a pivotal season for him ahead. You're three uh, in the league. You're two uh, with the coaching staff and the administration, the front office that took over. So this is going to be a huge year that I think will dictate a lot about his future at Hallis Hall. Uh, I saw the Parsons thing. It was uh, certainly kind of amusing. Um, 
they, they need, the Bears need to get the quarterback right, whether he's right on his rookie deal, whether he's right on a uh, contract that's that's worth over three hundred million dollars. They they just need to get it right, and that's what they've failed to accomplish for the longest period of time. You you can't go out and throw for twenty two hundred yards and feel certain that the quarterback's got it right. And that's at while acknowledging there's a lot of work to be done in terms of personnel on offense with playmakers, with linemen uh, to help him out, to help him grow uh, and improve. But, you know, the, the I got a, in fact, I had a question in my mailbag this week, and it's been a popular question for a couple weeks since the end of the season. Should the bears, you know, um, look for a, a number two quarterback in the middle rounds. This, this guy, the question, you know, fourth or fifth round, should the Bears find a quarterback with a skill set similar to Fields uh, in the event the guy has to play, he can step right in. And these are really good questions, and they make a lot of sense. But my initial reaction is, hey, look at this roster. Um, I think they, they have a lot more pressing stuff they need to fix. And I'd worry about making sure your number one's right before you um, sit down and decide that, you know, maybe we should commit some serious resources to a number two quarterback. You know, you talk about a fourth or fifth round pick, maybe you take a flyer on a wide receiver with some traits you like there. Uh, Those middle rounds of the draft can be an excellent area to find an interior offensive lineman might not be a plug and play guy day one, but a fourth round guard comes in, sits and kind of develops and learns for a year and then can be a pretty good player uh, at the beginning of year two. So that's my reaction to, uh, to questions uh, about trying to solidify the backup position. Let's, let's see if they can get uh, the starting position where they need it to be, where they want it to be first. Never too early to talk about prospects, Brad. So on Wednesday, Peter Skronsky, the left tackle from Northwestern, was on the afternoon show. And I'm just curious because he's going to be somebody who goes probably, you know, in the top half of the first round. Don't know if the Bears will be there depending on the trade down. But I know you're familiar with Peter Skronsky from writing about him last year. I know you've also talked to people which would maybe factor in more in the Bears' evaluation of him, the fact that he might have arms shorter than you'd like from an offensive lineman or the fact that he's a Packer fan whose father was a five-time uh, champion under Vince Lombardi, his grandfather, Bob? Yeah, that's that, that's uh, a couple of good questions there. <laughs> Skoransky, um is one of the very best offensive line prospects in the draft, and – well, back in the fall, a lot of people I talked to thought he might have to move inside the guard. You still hear some of that, but I think if you feel now like whoever takes him, their um, their Cadillac plan for him anyway is going to be to have him play left tackle. That if they're going to take him that high, that's because they have a belief that he can uh, get it done and, and be a player there. Yeah, I you know I think that um, I think it's really interesting to uh, to contemplate what's going to happen in uh, in the draft, but I think it's going to sh- there'll be all sorts of kind of shifts and changes, and 
you know, people keep coming up with different trade ideas. They're all over the place. How far down would you recommend the Bears trade? I mean, you know, you keep hearing that maybe this draft isn't the greatest draft after all, and that if you don't get an elite player at the top of the draft, you're going you're gonna to struggle to get one later. Now, we know there are players throughout NFL drafts, but in terms of guys that you feel are going to be impact guys, um, do you have to be careful about the trade down, right? I mean, everybody wants the Bears to add more, and everybody wants them to have a lot, including picks next year. But the reality is that, you know, you got to have partners, and you also want to make sure that you get something pretty good out of this draft. Yeah, they've got to have something out of this draft. They they have to have it, right? They they need to, and and that's more than one player. I mean, they've got to, uh, right. they they've got to mine some talent, some serious talent from this draft. My initial reaction would be, you don't want to go past maybe number five. Uh, you know, who knows? It could shake out a little bit differently uh, in a few months, but. Um, you, you, you talk about trading down into the middle of the first round, and then, you know, you don't know what, what you're going to be able to get there. You you just don't know what's going to be available. I mean, heck, guys, we've seen the Bears in the top ten where you feel like you got a good chance of finding an impact player end up with a Leonard Floyd. I don't believe he ever reached the status of impact player for them. And a Kevin White. I mean, that that's in the top ten. Uh, so, you uh, there's no and there's no guarantees or sure things in the top five. I mean, we could we could spend the next half hour going over uh, guys who have royally disappointed as as top five picks and and not just quarterbacks. You know, it's easy to explain. Well, hey, there's a big time bust factor with quarterbacks. We could find other positions and say, hey, top five pick, kind of disappointing uh, for what you would expect there. So the, it is going to be very interesting. I would imagine the Bears will give you some breadcrumbs, a little bit of a roadmap in free agency. And when the dust settles in free agency, you'll be able to look at the depth chart and say, okay, yeah, they've definitely helped themselves out here. Uh, Boy, they're still weak over here. And you might be able to zero in uh, a little bit more on a position, but I just don't think they'll be able to do enough in free agency in terms of pass rushers and defensive linemen for them to eliminate um, almost anything in the front seven when it comes to the draft. Quickly, Brad, what's the calendar look like coming up? I know there's a senior bowl. Any other deadlines over the next couple weeks? What do they look like for the Bears? Well, senior bowl, uh, actually the East-West Shrine, uh, which was a a better collection of all-star talent a year ago. Those practices start on Saturday. The senior bowl gets going uh, next week. And then you basically got teams kind of at that point uh, really going in depth uh, for free agency meetings uh, to be prepared for uh, that, which will be in March shortly after the uh, scouting combine. Great stuff, Brad. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, Brad. Have a great day, guys. That is our guy, Brad Biggs, the football man from the Chicago Tribune. Huh, really interesting. I, I want to know um, where the uh, the Bears brass are going. Are they going to the – to the east-west are they going to go to the senior bowl do they try to get uh, a, a, a kind of look into both are you relying on your coaches to be scouts i'd be surprised if that were the case 
I think you've got to, though, Molly, don't you? You've got Luke Getze, the head coach, with access to everybody at the Senior Bowl. You've got yep. a couple assistants with him. You've got to trust their evaluation of seeing how these guys practice, seeing what their specific skills are. The question, I think, would be is how narrow or how, how shallow is the pool of, of, of uh, prospects right. that you really want to get a good look at. But what I'm saying is, do, you know, do you want – it's not that you're not going to rely on what they know from the meetings, et cetera. Do you want to be down there looking yourself? Right. Or do you want to take advantage of them being there so maybe you go out west? I, I, I'm just curious to see how they, how they kind of uh, parcel that out, let's say. That's a good point. And I think if you're Ryan Poles, you want to be everywhere because yeah. you have to be. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. It's Molly and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to the score. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. AFC Championship Week, ready to go. Uh, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to the score. Yeah, it's also NFC Championship Week, but uh, but that Patrick Mahomes isn't playing in that, or at least uh, won't play in the Super Bowl until a couple weeks after he gets rid of Joe Burrow, if indeed he can do that for the first time. I don't know about that. Yeah, no one does. I don't don't know about that. I am leaning toward the Bengals in a big way. I think they have certainly the healthier quarterback, which is a huge factor in this Sunday's game. And they just have that sense of doing whatever's necessary. They have not had the Super Bowl hangover. You know, the Super Bowl hangover always applies, and we always look at it for teams that win it. There was a stat, remember, back – in this yep. uh, years ago, the Super Bowl team. runners, yep. Yep. the losing team w- w- struggled too. But the the Bengals seem to have been, you know, I don't want to say motivated, but they have they have built off that success of being the the losers of the Super Bowl, and they are probably better equipped to handle that kind of thing this time around. They are burrow proof, I think. They've been burrow proof <laughs> and. Uh, that helps a ton when you have that uh, piece yeah. correct. And, you know, the Rams won last year. Their quarterback got hurt. We'll see. It's nice that McVay's coming back because uh, when you recruit a guy out of uh, out of some nice uh, joint down in Mexico, you want to make sure that you're there for a more than just the one season. So it's nice that those guys are sticking together. So, so David, I don't know if you saw this. Clay Harbor does a really good job on Twitter, and it's fun to follow him. And he uh, retweeted CBS Sports. They have a mock draft out where they have the Bears trading their first overall pick to the Raiders. So in this, in this mock, and, and by the way, sign me up for this one, uh, the Bears would get the seventh overall pick. All right, so they would trade the first overall pick for the seventh overall pick along with Oakland's second-round pick, third-round pick, and fifth-round pick. The Bears would also get a 2024 first-round pick and third-round pick. They would also get a 2025 first-round pick and fourth-round pick. 
That's what. That's the kind of booty. If you got, if you got picks, you got a number one this year, second, third, fifth. You can get fine players in those rounds. Uh, a first and a third next year. The Raiders' first round pick could be good. Twenty twenty five first and a fourth. So, Sign me up. Oh my gosh, that sounds like it's outlandish. It sounds too good to be true. I imagine that somebody did go to some value chart somewhere to make it work out. But, Mully, let's just look at the human capital here, okay? The, the number of players you are potentially able to draft by moving down six spots. Yeah, you're swapping positions. We yes. get that. Three players in this year's draft additionally, second, third, and fifth. Two players in next year's draft, the first and the third, and two in the following year's draft. We're talking about seven potential players to move down six spots high picks, seriously high picks that's insane to me i i think i think someone has lost their mind and whoever did this from from cbs sports they have the bears then taking trenton simpson the linebacker from clemson basically they're gonna replace roquan See, you you just dropped I, your I, you just, I wish people were watching. You literally just dropped your head in your head. I, I love these mock drafts because of the conversation they create, and I think you can have an ongoing conversation and analysis in a responsible, intelligent way. Here we are on January 26th, already anticipating what the Bears are going to do, and we're going to do that every day until we get there. Right. But, Molly, tell me this. Okay, first of all, I think there's two sides of it. If you get seven bodies – that are going to be high draft picks to move down six spots. I'm not sure you really mind who you're going to draft this year because you're going to be <laughs> winning that draft going away, winning yeah. that trade going away. Yeah. But yeah. you're you're going to have a top ten pick still and draft a linebacker? Really? Yeah, it's pretty funny. It's just funny because the guy has said that he wouldn't draft a linebacker. So, I don't know. I, I mean, look, you can always sh shift gears and, and get yourself a uh, – uh, an offensive lineman or, you, you know, there are still some pretty good – speaking of Clemson, who's the who's the tackle from Clemson? That guy's a good player. There, there are good players that would be available. The problem is you're giving up one of the elite defensive players, and there are two of them, right? So it's you're saying we're not getting Jalen Carter, we're not getting Will Anderson. Um, but, but, you know, the only way you can ensure that is by taking the guy – with the first overall pick. Other than that, you're going to trade down and hope they're there. Trade down, get bodies. This is what you want. I just think it's too good to be true. I you agree. would take that deal every day and twice yeah. on Sunday if you're Ryan Poles. Molly, let me say this, though. You're right about picking in the top ten. Let's not have any misconceptions here. You are at number one, and you don't want to go lower than fifth, theoretically, as we talked to Brad about, because – uh, theoretically, you still would be in a position to get one of those two yes. uh, generational defensive linemen, Will Anderson right. or Jalen Carter. But, and this is a big but, if you are drafting in the top ten and you need as many things as the Bears need, a linebacker aside, you just traded one of those, I think offensive linemen, you could go maybe by then it will be a wide receiver. You could find... You could find a player in the top ten that's going to yep. make an instant impact and you might be very, very happy with. Well, and I mean, you know, here's the thing. Remember, the Bears, you know, they all the draft picks they've traded away. You know, we haven't seen the Bears have have uh, consistent first-round picks in a long time. 
if you made a deal like that, not only um, uh, are you are you still holding your own number one pick next year? You got two next year. You got uh, two number ones next year. And in this scenario, you got two number threes next year. You got two number ones in 2025, and you add another fourth round. I'm I'm just saying. That is a lot of draft capital that you can use and trade, and you can you can really do a ton with those picks if you wanna just build your team up with first round picks and not guys like Alex Leatherwood. <laughs> well, we haven't mentioned him in at least a week, so I think that's good. You got the Leatherwood mentioned, and I'm surprised Bigsy didn't. Um, he, look, he's, in the, he's in his notebook. Yeah, I saw that. Book. He got yeah, the yeah. last question in. I think that was yeah. kind of a nod to us because we always make fun of the fact that he does mention Leatherwood on every occasion. Yeah. Molly, let me ask you this, though. Given your experience, am I overreacting here? That's a ton. That's an unrealistic haul for, for moving down six spots, isn't it? I, it's got to be too much. It's got to be. Unless, well, yeah, no, it's just that's way too much. I, I mean, may, may, I'd love it. But it's that's a bounty, and that is that's going to keep you uh, with multiple picks for for years. You know, you're going to not only come out. I mean, they already you, you'll have two se- you, if, under this guys. You'd have the seventh pick. You'd have two second round picks, right? You'd have a couple of third round picks. Uh, do, do they not have an extra fifth already from the from the Quinn trade? You'd have three fifth. I'm just saying. You know, you you would get a ton of players out of this. You'd get three extra players this year, and you already have, what, eight, seven, whatever? You'd get an extra, you know, two each of the next couple of years and a first-round draft pick. It's huge. If we remember, and we need to make a note of this, when we talked to Dave on Tuesday, Dave Wanstead, to run this by him because people in the game, and we should talk to, you know, people that we know because this seems, like, wildly unrealistic. If Ryan Poles were to – uh, accumulate seven draft picks to move down six spots. He is the front runner for executive of the year. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That would be really good. Now, you know, the only thing is you got to find the players in the draft. But there are players throughout drafts. You just got to be good at picking them. You know, the the beauty of having the top pick is that you know whatever decision whoever the world believes is the number one guy is yours. You get the first bite at the apple. So it doesn't take you know, the greatest amount of draft acumen to make that selection. You know, obviously you want to make sure that you're the guy that's taking Peyton Manning and you're not taking Ryan Leaf. You know, I understand that, but you get that choice. So it, it's wonderful to have the first pick. Um, I don't think you need a quarterback. So now that gives you the versatility to be able to move a little bit. You'd love to go, down to four, and then you get one of those great defensive players, and you feel good about life moving forward because you got a projected explosive player, generational talent, and you get more. Just to react to something else that Brad talked about when we had him on last segment, that this idea of notion of, of drafting a quarterback it, in the later rounds. I love that idea. You know that I am in favor of maybe getting someone who stylistically – is similar to Justin Fields, but if that's going to be somebody that you can develop in that scheme, if you lean into that, much like Tyler Huntley, um, who was an undrafted free agent, but they got him in their system. That said, Mully, I think you all also have to allow yourself the flexibility philosophically. If somebody like a Brock Purdy, if somebody who has that kind of 
tons of experience in college drops as a projected second rounder into the fourth round or into the fifth round, you got to think about taking him if he's a quarterback, regardless of his style, because you want to get back into the routine, back into the habit, if you will, of drafting quarterbacks. Because as we have seen, that's a good idea to have those guys in your organization. You're going to need them at some point in time. Yeah, I, I mean, I got to tell you, I think that that's a, it's well said, David. It's, you know, this is, you are in player procurement mode, right? It's not just being able to, to, uh, to use the first pick. It's more about being able to get multiple bites at the apple. You know, they played an entire team of rookies last year. They had undrafted guys. They dominated the whatever, sixth, seventh round. They were they were trading down and getting picks. If you have those in the top hundred, if you get if you can actually get the same number of players, but from the top hundred, you're gonna be a better football team, period. End no of doubt. story. No doubt. No shadow of a doubt. All right. We got uh we've got uh, Nick Costos. He is uh he's gonna join us next. He is the uh the king of the props, David. I know you're going to want to know what the props are for a certain kind of high ankle sprain quarterback. What is he going to be second on his team in rushing in this game? We'll uh, we'll talk to uh, Nick Costos next. It's Mully and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score. I want winners. Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 670. The score on the line is the host of You Better You Bet. Odyssey Sports betting insider Nick Costos. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all the latest lines today on the BetMGM app. Also, be sure to listen to the You Better You Bet podcast for more of Nick Costos' analysis. Just search You Bet wherever you find your podcast. And Nick joins us now on the Signature Bank Score Hotline. Signature Bank making commercial banking personal. Nick, good morning. How are you? Malene Hall, what's going on, guys? Great to be on with you today. Well, I, you know, I got to tell you, the, to me, the big question is obviously with, uh, uh, with the quarterback, with, uh, with the, uh, the only non-rookie quarterback, uh, non-rookie contract quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, uh, his ankle, high ankle sprain. No, it's miraculously healed. Look at him uh, running off the stage. He's practiced fully. Everything's fine. I, uh, you know, the high ankle sprain is, it, that is a, a, a red flag. And this line, you get whiplash trying to follow how quickly this line's going from one side to the other. Sure. Yeah, and I can kind of like break it down for everybody here where like the line has been moving, but like we're we're moving basically under three on both sides. So in a game that with a total that I expect to go up as like people have optimism about Mahomes' you know, mobility in this game to a degree with the high ankle sprain, like we're basically just like saying like pick the winner of the game on either side. Like Cincinnati minus two and a half is notable because it's close to three but, like, never got to three. Like, we never got to Cincinnati minus three. It's never going to go to Kansas City minus three. So we're going to operate in the zone where it's basically going to be, like, pick the winner of the game. Like, which team do you think is going to win? Like, yes, it's possible that a game could land on one or two, but a lot more likely in a game that's expected to be lower scoring than, than a game like this one. So, like, Kansas City sitting as a one-point favorite right now, and, and I think that that makes sense, right, given what we saw yesterday. And I, I think, and I, of course I could be wrong about this because I don't know this for a fact, it is my sense that we are going to get, like, we have, we 
the end of our information now about Patrick Mahomes for this weekend. So Mahomes, like you said, practiced yesterday, right, in full. No walking boot, participated in the walkthrough, no injury status, no limited designation. So this is how I'm thinking about it, and I would encourage you guys and the listeners to think this as well. If Patrick Mahomes practiced in full yesterday on Wednesday and is, like, not taking any contact, why wouldn't he practice in full today, right? That's that's the expectation, right? Practice in full yesterday, practice in full today, and then, in turn, why wouldn't he practice in full tomorrow? So if I'm thinking like this, I would imagine that other betters, other people are thinking the same way. I think we are likely done with the Patrick Mahomes information. I think this is what we've got. This is the information we've got. So I think we're going to hang out in this range where Kansas City will likely be favored in the game. Kansas City will be favored by less than three. Now the question is, are people going to bet Kansas City with this optimism about Mahomes and like push this number up a little bit more and push the money line price up a little bit more. So I've done a couple interviews, guys, before I came on with you, and the price is literally moving like this morning as I'm doing these interviews. So Kansas City is now up to minus 115 on the money line. So my advice to people would be if you like the Chiefs, I think the time to bet them is now. I think that this number will only go up. It's not going to go up a ton, but like, especially if you just want to bet Kansas City to win the game, the money line price is likely to go up, right? So I think if you like KC, I would bet it now. Also, if Patrick Mahomes is going to be like reasonably good to go, like he's not going to be able to have like the Houdini escapability that he normally has with the high ankle sprain, but if he's going to be like good to be able to score some points in this game, the total is going to go up. It's 47 and a half. Like, doesn't that number feel low in a game with Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. and Joe Burrow? So mm-hmm. I would say, again, if you like KC, I would not wait. I would look to bet it sooner rather than later. And if you like the over, I would also look to bet that sooner rather than later because I think Kansas City getting bet up and the total getting bet up are correlated. Oh, Prop King, forgive thee for not having background music that usually accompanies these questions in your presence. But dost thou have any advice for prop bets? Well, on the Bengals and the Chiefs. Well, David, it would be doth thou. And, uh, and oh. yes, we will we, oh. we will save you from Thank thy you. royal guillotine for not playing thy royal trumpets for me, for thy royal <laughs> prop king. Uh, for this game, like, let me see what we've got here. Uh, I just want to make sure I give the right number out. Kadarius Tony is the player that I really like for Kansas City. We played his over last week. He went over. He was the first-round pick of the Giants a couple years ago, fell out of favor with the new coaching staff, traded to Kansas City um, towards the trade deadline. 35-and-a-half is Kadarius Tony's receiving yards prop. I will definitely play it over there on Tony where he's like, he's not Tyreek Hill, but he's not like terribly far off. And I know that sounds like an insane comparison. I'm not saying he's going to be like the best receiver in football, but the skill set is there. He's being like like assimilated more into the offense. And if Mahomes is not going to be able to move the way that like we think he's going to be able to or has in the past, like Andy Reid knows that. They're going to devise a game plan that gets the ball out of Mahomes' hands a little quicker, obviously, right? That may be, be more screens, bubble screens, etc. And like Kadarius Tony is your guy that can rip off big runs and break tackles. Tony over 35 and a half receiving yards is probably my favorite prop in the Chiefs-Bengals game. Yeah, I, I'm curious when you start talking about uh, the the NFC Championship game, you know, there, it's it's interesting to think of, you know, I don't know, how, how you how you use Miles Sanders or uh, Gainwell or Boston Scott. What, what are the – what are the Eagles going to do to attack that defense and take a little pressure off of uh, – off of Jalen Hurts, who played great the other day, looks good, but, you know, we know he's got a separated shoulder. Yeah, didn't have to do much also, Jalen Hurts, against yeah. my Giants last week because didn't provide a ton of resistance, which sucked as uh, for me as a Giants fan. Um, Philadelphia ran the ball all over the Giants on Saturday night. 
They are not going, and I'm not saying they can't have success running the ball. They are not going to do that against San Francisco. Like that, it is just not going to happen. The way to beat the San Francisco defense is through the air. Like you can bomb this secondary deep. We've seen teams do it over the course of the season, even though Dak played so bad on Sunday. But there were opportunities for Dak to beat them down the field, and he didn't. So I think like that's Philadelphia's avenue here is throwing the football. On the flip side, conversely, and this is just like, and we can talk about the number of the game in a second, just like the on-field handicap offense versus his defense, where, you know, the Giants were never going to be able to attack Philadelphia on the perimeter, right, because of their two outstanding uh, boundary cornerbacks, James Bradbury and Darius Slay. The Giants kind of lack the offensive personnel to hit Philadelphia where it hurts, over the middle, where Howie Roseman, the GM, is a great team builder, guys, but doesn't care about, like, safeties and off-ball linebackers covering tight ends, etc., running backs coming out of the backfield. San Francisco's got that in spades. So, like, maybe this isn't a big game for Brandon Ayuk, operating on the outside, potentially, maybe against Darius Slay, but why can't, like, George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey all have success for San Francisco over the middle of the field? So I, I think we could get more points scored than expected. If people think Jalen Hurts' arm is good here and he could throw the football, like, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith should torch this defense down the field. And conversely, like, Brock Purdy, I think, could make low percentage or high percentage throws, like low dot average depth of target, where these guys can get the ball after the catch over the middle of the field. I kind of like both offenses in this game. I lean towards the over a little bit. Now, as far as the point spread goes, if you like Philadelphia, I I think that you should probably play this sooner rather than later. The Eagles are going to go to minus three, it looks like. They're a juiced minus two and a half, so like very close to getting to three. And this can be like the last thing. I don't think like there's any information that's going to come out on San Francisco that's going to cause people to be like, well, now I have to bet the Niners. What am I talking about? So Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, and Elijah Mitchell. Mitchell's the least important. Debo and McCaffrey both don't practice yesterday on Wednesday. But Kyle Shanahan tells the media both are playing on Sunday. Debo Samuel himself tells reporters yesterday, I am playing on Sunday. So let's just say, right, today at practice, Debo and McCaffrey and Mitchell all practice in full. They're all going to play in the game. Do we think that that's going to cause, like, a frenzy where people are going to bet San Francisco? I, I don't think so, only because, like, we all, like that's the assumption already is that they're going to play in the game. So I think if you like San Francisco, I think you can wait a little bit. Maybe you get a plus three, which is a much more advantageous number. And if you like the Eagles, I don't think this goes down from here. I think it's going to be two and a half or three. I think it will go up to three at some point. So maybe the time is now to bet Philadelphia and lay the two and a half as opposed to having to lay a minus three. Great stuff, Nick. Appreciate it. You guys got it. Wishing you guys and all your Thanks, great King. listeners minimal sweats, sweaty bets. Thou are welcome. And the absolute <laughs> very best of luck. That is Nick Costos. And of course, he's the host of You Better, You Bet and Odyssey Betting Sports Insider. Insider calls presented by BetMGM. Go check out all the latest lines today on BetMGM. We're going to come back with David Sampson. We're going to talk some uh, baseball. We're going to find out what options, if any, do the White Sox have. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.